A manager of mine once said, uh, he's like, I think it's like trying to trying to talk to you is like trying to take a drink from a fire hose. I think a lot of people got to be pretty brave. <laughs> Playboy, how you doing? It's Barely About Music, episode 19. Man, I'm so stoked today. I got uh, a comedian named Simon King. Simon King is so funny and so wacky, and he's just a real impressive dude, you know? He just got a stage presence that uh, I find captivating, and so do a lot of big comedians. A lot of big comedians love him, like Doug Stanhope and Burt Kreischer. <coughs> Simon released a, a YouTube video recently where he's doing impressions of all these different uh, comedians doing kind of like street jokes, and it uh, did well on Twitter because of big comedians loving it. So instead of doing a monologue this time, I'm just going to play that clip. Here you go, Simon King. This is my impression of Jim Carrey, now that he's insane, doing crowd work. This is Jim Carrey doing crowd work. What's your name, sir? None of it matters. We're all just energy floating around the universe. <laughs> What's your name? Cobalt is like a ping pong place now, right? Is it? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Why do you want to do your special that's like, there? That's like, that's like, you know, that's the that's the the the, the street. Uh, that's the the physical representation of what um, uh, what Fallon did to the Tonight Show. <laughs> he turned you know, up he, he took what was cool and subversive the- and just made it about ping pong. <laughs> 
That's all it was. And karaoke. A karaoke. Yeah. And fucking. At least James Corden's got his own train wreck of a show. I love how people are realizing what that guy's like now. Yeah. He's hated in England. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Like he's not liked. Like yeah. they were gonna replace Guy Fox with him. Really? They, they burn, burn an effigy. They hate that fucking guy. Man. He's a, he's a prick. What um growing up were you into late night shows? A little bit. I was, how are your levels? Am I good? Yeah, you're Am I good. close enough? You always sound good. Right. <laughs> I, got, I got that that patina of misery that makes my voice resonate. No, um. I actually I actually like uh, I've told people this. I like hearing your voice on stage. You have the perfect really? oh, thanks. performance voice. <laughs> Just this whole lot. I always no matter say what you say. It's like it's well, at least I know I don't need a bear horn when I go into the woods. Because a bear will get close and they'll hear my act and be like, oh, I don't want to eat that guy, I don't want him to be part of me. Uh, <laughs> Slightly you imagine when a bear shows up and be like, hey, a bear, what the fuck? What are you doing? All Man, right. Everyone knows that he was a dog, Rover Dangerfield. So when Rover, you remember that movie? No, the Rover Dangerfield? Rodney Dangerfield is that? a children's cartoon called Rover Dangerfield in the like, mid-90s. How the fuck do I not know about this? I don't know. It seems really in your What is that? Because Carlin did Shining Town Station as well. That's true. What's going on there? What did you just get to a point where you're just like this old guy as a comic and you go, you know what I should do? Appeal to kids. <laughs> well, maybe the casting director, <laughs> it's their their way of sticking it. Is that the way Kinnison would have gone if he'd have stayed around? Would he it have been like 2010, you would have had Sam Kinnison as Barney. I love you! Although he was on Married with Children, which is the opposite of children's programming. Was in he? fact, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Well, yeah, he was a guardian angel. He was in Herman's Head, wasn't he? Remember Herman's <laughs> really? Head? Yeah, vaguely. The show Herman's Head? It was on after The Simpsons, I think. Hank Azaria was in Herman's Head? Yeah. And Nancy Cartwright was in... No, not Nancy Cartwright. Um, Yardley Smith? Yeah. And, uh, and Sam Kinison. And then there was that guy. You'd recognize him if you saw him. He's like this geeky guy. He had like the turtleneck. He was, he was the, the intellect. Kinison was the rage. Some other guy was the lust. Okay. Some lady was the... I don't know what the fuck they Sam were. Sam Kinison was like one of the main characters? Yeah, he was the, He was one of the... the in, as far as I recall, I might be yeah. pulling this out of my ass, but... That was, I think he was in there. He was in the head. He was like, he was the rage. Because they all represented this guy, this guy Herman. Yeah, I vaguely remember. It was it. back in like the late 80s, early 90s when you could just go into a studio and be like, I got this idea. It's a puppet, eats cats, uh, it's from space. And everyone's like, six seasons. Like, that's just how they did TV back then. Because there was no other competition. So that was what was on. So they were just like, yeah. fuck it. It's like the A team. It's like, yeah, thousands of rounds of ammunition. Nothing ever happens and nobody dies except one time and it's a big deal. All right, let's make it. That's just a talking car. I mean, all those shows. Hey, yeah. people can't have a kid, so they make a robot that's perfectly lifelike and then they have a kid small wonder done it's like that's how shows were made back then oh silver spoons silver spoons it was like uh it was like a uh, rich kid train set rich kid train set rich kid <laughs> rich kid rich dad granddad yeah uh and then he's living vicariously through his kid and then rich kid uh, but he's who was the poor kid who became a rich kid tried to fit in i don't remember like different strokes oh different different strokes, strokes is creepy rich old guy adopts yeah. two black kids yeah hides in a skyscraper <laughs> Yeah, was it trying? <laughs> that's yeah. just it. You know what? The skyscraper is the weirdest that's part. A, that's the weird part. It's, it's the sequel to Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> what you talk about, Hans? <laughs> Would have been a vastly different ending. I loved that movie. I saw movies like that when I was way too young to Die see Die Hard? Them. Yeah. I saw Robocop when I was like six. That's like the most ultra-violent oh, movie of the 90s. And it was so good, too. Like, when you yeah. watch it now, you're like, oh, man, that they, they were just totally poking fucking fun. That was a yeah. period of time. 
too. And then talk about the mid '80s. There was a mm-hmm. time there where stuff like Max Headroom, yeah, like they were they really were being socially aware. Yeah, this is thirty years ago. Yeah, Max Headroom was out there going, "We're consuming too much. Yeah, shit's fucked up." And then the '80s happened, and everyone's like, "Yeah, but we all have money and everything's good." <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Paul Verhoeven directed RoboCop, and uh, and all his movies were action move were comedies disguised as action yeah. movies. Yeah. And then he did Showgirls, which he says like, no, it's just a comedy. If you take it as that, it's fucking funny. It's comedy yeah. with boobs. Yeah. If yeah. you take it a comedy with boobs, it's funny. And Total Recall is so funny. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Total it's Recall crazy. actually. It's, Total Recall actually has a lot of humor in it. It's so crazy when he keeps using that guy as a human shield on the escalator, yeah, 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 like yeah, over yeah, and over yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff about it that's like it's like. Yeah, Total Recall, if you think about it, yeah. They're actually, yeah, that's maybe that's that's a genre that people need to get into is these disguised. But then yeah. you could probably, if you looked hard enough, you could make any action movie a comedy because they put they put the comedy in there to diffuse it, right? And then it's funny, if you watch any documentary on any band, it looks like a Mr. Show sketch if you watch it through. <laughs> you know what I it's mean? It's true. It, it seems like it's Wicked true. Scepter. I watched me, uh, Meeting People is Easy a little while ago. Radiohead, Radiohead won. won and, uh, and that was like... As as arguably their masterpiece came out, and still yeah. they kind of looked a little bit like just a lot of just a lot of and and then the problem is too is as you get older because when I was when that came out I was like twenty and they were like mm. ten years older than me and I was, I was like oh look at these guys and now I'm yeah. like what the fuck these guys, <laughs> these guys are like thirty years old <laughs> like, it's weird when you get a little older you look at things in the past you go oh, I was watching Frasier the other day yeah because I found out they have it on Crave so I was watching Frasier and then I'm watching it and I'm like. Fucking Kelsey Grammer's four years younger than me when this show starts. <laughs> and I, I just remember Frazier being an adult. Now I look at him and go, this kid's a fucking, he's a punk. He'd be an opener. if I. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Was, <laughs> Niles is like fucking 32. What like, was, it's a shitty life, but still. Was Lilith in that show? She was in it briefly. She showed up every so often. Must yeah. have been a big deal. Must have been sweep sweep. Well, it's so funny because Bib Newirth is like, she's like a really good actor. And yeah. like, and Kelsey Grammer's okay. But mm. we were talking about this the other day. My lady friend and I were saying that like shows back then mm-hmm. in the 90s particularly the good shows were cast really well around the main cast yeah so Seinfeld mm-hmm. I mean Jerry's a terrible actor <laughs> uh, almost worse than he is a comedian but just kidding uh, <laughs> but he's a terrible actor but the and he'll admit that but the the comedians the people around him were so good yeah Jason Alexander and mm-hmm. I mean I mean uh, look uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus was so perfect in that role yeah. and and you know Kramer, whatever. But, <laughs> but I mean, he is what he did. was good. And, and the timing was great. But it was all the casting around it that was so good. Yeah, Brian Cranston was a regular. All well, of Jerry's yeah, girlfriends were great. Yeah, they were all... Tim Watley, right? And, and David Putty and... Yeah. You know, we were stupid. Like, <laughs> Man, it had so many iconic yeah. side characters. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. And think about how many... I mean, any one of those. Mm-hmm. Years ago, years and years ago, uh, back when uh, I had hope and I started out in Hollywood, I was asked to, to do a meeting <laughs> at this place called Fort Hill. Uh-huh. And I'll never forget, it was my first ever meeting, mm-hmm. uh, first ever industry agent meeting. And they brought me in, or not agent, they brought me in to, mm-hmm. to meet this uh, executive. Mm-hmm. And it was the company that did the show Joey, if you remember, the yeah. spinoff for Friends. Right. And the guy comes in. I'll never forget this. He comes in. He's 20 minutes late. So I'm mm-hmm. sitting there with my manager like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, as a Canadian, I'm getting annoyed. Like, I didn't yeah. realize in L.A. that's just what everybody does. But yeah. I didn't know that. So I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, my yeah, manager's yeah. just like, chill out. And the guy comes in. He's wearing flip-flops. It's like September, but it's L.A. He's wearing flip-flops. He's wearing a pink shirt. He has frosted tips. And this is 2005. Wow. So, like, we're past this. Yeah, like, we, way we, past Mark sh- McGrath. We should have moved on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he comes in. And the first words, he goes, he goes, hey, sorry I'm late. Just got back from Greece. Anyone want a Fanta? That was my introduction. 
time that he sat down, wow. cracked a Fanta. And he Holy. said to me, he goes, through the meeting, you go, Simon, why do you think Joey doesn't work? <laughs> now, the logical, smart thing would be to say, that's a great show. I love that show. What do you mean it doesn't work? Yeah. What I did was I was like, well, you know why? It's because Joey comes from a well-explained past. He's part of an ensemble cast. But you know everything about him. There's no extra. Like with yeah. Frasier, you were plucking him out. If he was only an ancillary character. And yeah. I go on this big, long thing. And he goes, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then afterwards, we're standing outside. And my manager goes, look, man, I know you're smart. You know you're smart. <laughs> if someone asks you why their show isn't good, you say it's the best show you've ever seen. And then you get your own show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Oh, next meeting. <laughs> I was like, I'll I thought that. we were supposed to be nice to tell the truth to Phantom Man. But apparently not. <laughs> He's too busy drinking Fanta. I, can, I can't. I can't have Fanta now without really? seeing that guy in my head. How about Tab? I'll, I'll have a Tab. Tab <laughs> what's Tab's flavor even? Um, so vague. That color doesn't represent that t- flavor. Tab is to me. Tab is like RC Cola. It's like. Remember when you were a kid and if you had a lot of money, your parents would get you Nikes with a Y, you know, like the knockoff <laughs> that that's how I feel like Toronto is for an American yeah. city. Toronto is the Nike with a Y <laughs> of New York. The Adidas with yeah. two stripes. Exactly. <laughs> or four. <laughs> like we got big city crime. All right, yeah. Toronto, you're adorable. We have lots of people. Um, but that's how I feel like. Yeah, I feel like RC Cola. There's still RC Cola. It's still going. Yeah. That's that's you gotta know you're losing at that point. <laughs> One vending machine left <laughs> in all of Canada. <laughs> just go out and just, doesn't need stocking again. Back, it's still a nickel. It's yeah. in Wally. <laughs> the one we uh It's under my, guard like a white rhino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come and poach the RC Cola. Speaking of Lilith from Cheers, mm. which I do often. Oh yeah. My friend Trevor you know Trevor Risk? Yes, I know. He, he and I were talking about um incognito goth characters in in uh, mainstream culture and I think Ooh. Lilith could oh, be yeah. in that yeah. and I think yeah, yeah. Natasha from Rocky and Bullwinkle could be an incognito goth character yeah. we had a couple more and I can't remember them right uh, now yeah that, that yeah for oh, sure oh uh, the weird Bjork type girl in Breakfast Club yeah 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 if we're going back then Uncle Buck's the girl in Uncle Buck oh yeah she goes through that phase yeah where she's dating that guy Rat or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name is <laughs> God, I miss John Candy. That is yeah. fucking. We were talking about John Hughes movies the other day, and I was like, because we were driving in West Van, and there's a bunch of those John Hughes type houses there. Yeah. Where you know they've got like a Ferrari like Cameron's dad. <laughs> oh yeah. Mr. Rooney. And um, <laughs> and you know that's in the, you know that's it. They've got one of those, and we were driving. By, and I was like, no one makes movies like that anymore because I think. Well, first of all, John Hughes had this weird balance of it. It was just the time period. It was the zeitgeist. Yeah. But there's also something about those characters. Just I don't think people can play those characters anymore. Like the Uncle Bucks and the like Ferris Bueller's. I don't think they exist anymore. Edgy or too wholesome? Or I think why? it's just the balance of the two. Like mm-hmm. if you look at Uncle Buck, like maybe not even that's not even maybe the best example. But like Ferris Bueller, mm-hmm. right? Ferris Bueller is one of those characters where. It's very much of that time. He was the feeling of that time. It's yeah. like 1986, 87, whatever it was. And it was like, mm. we're going to, it's kind of like the free spirited, the, the, the baby boomers are in their 40s now. They're starting to get older. Right. And it's hearkening back to that. And it's the, it's the optimism of the youth back then when people still didn't realize the planet was on fire. It was that, that kind of time. <laughs> now we know. Yeah. Now, now Ferris Bueller <laughs> would skip school to go to some sort of anti-pipeline rally. <laughs> and we'd all be on board with it. Yeah. But we'd be like, he'd be out there like, I'd hey, be chained to a fence. Just like. <laughs> Where's Ferris? Oh, he's chained, he chained himself to a llama because there's only one llama left or whatever. The, and that would be the end. Ferris Bueller's protest. You know, that would be it. Yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, I think to me, those kinds of movies, they just don't... I, I, I very rarely see movies like that anymore that have that feel. Even yeah. stuff like Karate Kid. Yeah. That aren't even... That aren't, that aren't comedies, but they have that, that weird kind of like... Maybe it's because movies back then... 
you know, companies only made 10, 12 movies a year. They didn't yeah. make like a 500 like they do now. I know. Hey, I don't know. Man, Ferris Bueller nowadays would be like a corporate shill, I bet. I'm I surprised. Yeah, so I'm surprised bad. they don't have Ferris Bueller's day off too of work, where he just realized he's like a he's like a banker or some shit, and he's like, I don't want to do this today, <laughs> and he's like this 55 year old guy <laughs> who just takes a fucking day off. How great would that be? And Cameron's his boss. Ca- oh fuck yeah, <laughs> Cameron's his boss, and then uh, yeah, he just how, how, wouldn't that would that be great to revisit it? Just like okay, and he leaves, yeah, and then he runs in at the end of the movie, he runs into his kid. Doing the same thing. <laughs> exactly. How fucking great would that be? That's a good turnaround. That's there you go. That's the movie. Come on, Hollywood. And the principal's in jail because didn't that guy go to yeah, jail? Yeah. For the- <laughs> Who is that guy? Yeah, he's a priest. He's terrible. Yeah. Jeffrey uh, jo- Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey I Jones. think he was in Howard the Duck too, and I think he was the devil in that movie. He was in something. Howard the Duck. He was in uh, Sil- um, uh, what's that one? The, the Johnny Depp one with the Ichabod Crane. Oh, uh, Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. He was in that. Hey, did you ever see Stay Tuned? The John Ritter movie where he goes yes, into TV? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, man, that's going back. Deep cut. Fuck. I like those deep cut 90s movies. Like, remember yeah. that movie that Alex Winter directed and it was half claymation and the whole thing just looked like a Primus video? Oh. God damn, what was that called? It was called Totally Disgusting or something like oh, that. Oh, 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 I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Because I, wasn't that? Part of Spike and Mike's. Oh, maybe. Spike and Mike's did the animation. They still Sounds do that. Sounds about right. I think Sick so. and Twisted animation. I used to go to that festival like every year. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like a big like '90s thing. Yeah, but uh, it was. I remember going to it. Like I remember they Spike and Mike run. Like the way I knew about it was Spike and Mike toured with Corn. So when I was in high school, <laughs> I went and between bands, it played. That stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cool. This is yeah. alternative it's youth. Look at cartoons. <laughs> look at this lady, man. He's cutting his own head off. <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck <laughs> corn. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Happy Tree Friends came from. Do you yeah, Happy that? Tree Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. So and then uh, Tromeo and Juliet or whatever. That fucking was that. What is it? No, was it? Tromeo was just that, Tromeo. that movie. No, that's not company. It. But I remember Lemmy was doing all the narration in that movie. Yeah, there was one. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> See, I never, I never went to the Spike and Mike's. I wanted to go, mm-hmm. and then. And um, I never, it was one of those things I never actually got around to doing it. And then yeah. I just, it kind of fell off. In fact, this is the first time I've mentioned it in probably 15 years. <laughs> I can't, I don't think I thought about it. Wow. That's the problem with the internet now is you don't have to go to shit like that I anymore. You can watch like, anything you, on YouTube. Yeah, you can just be like, I, I think I want to watch this, all the Spike and Mike's forever. And you just watch every single thing that ever came out. You know what's funny about YouTube is you you can think of something that you, and you know you don't know if there's a documentary yeah but if you type in blah 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 documentary oh, there's yeah. a fucking documentary yeah. yeah it makes it it makes it one of those things where it's like i feel like we i love the fact that we have access to all that information but it's really removing cuz in an adult life you don't have a lot of imagination like yeah. you don't get an opportunity i mean you wake up you know yeah. You, you take your kids to school, whatever. You go to get in your car. You drive to the box factory. You make boxes all day. You come home. That's what you do. But during that, what you do is sometimes you have an argument with your friend at a bar, and you go, mm-hmm. "No, fuck you. This is who played who." And da da da. And that was the imagination you used to have. Yeah. And that, like, what we're doing right now, we haven't checked anything on our phones. This was what. Yeah. It, it's it's not a big imagination. It's not broad imagination like like mm-hmm. when you're a kid. You're not you know building spaceships in your backyard and shit. But there's still that level of like mm-hmm. you ex- you're allowed your mind. Now you can't even do that now. 
as soon as you start talking about it, someone's like, actually, sir, excuse me. Like, <laughs> some guy with the fedora shows up. Oop, that kind of thumpery was not made until 1989. And you're like, ah, fuck off. Those are my favorite kind of hecklers. Yeah. When you, like, tell a joke and there'll be a reference that you specific Because I call it Star Wars referencing. Like, yeah. So you have to make the reference that most people will get. Yeah. Now, you could make the reference. that. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about a, a space film, you got to talk about Star Wars. You could yeah. talk about 2001. You could talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Event Horizon, whatever you want. But bottom line is, if you want everyone to get it, you have to talk about it. So you have to kind of stretch those references to make sense. Right. So sometimes you'll do it in a little bit more of a broad way or purposefully get it wrong because it's funny. Yeah. Um, and then there'll always be some jackass. Actually, that kind of <laughs> sword was not used by barbarians. <laughs> like, Fuck off, Wiki. Like, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> man, I've never seen a heckler even attempt anything with you because where could they fit in some words, Simon? <laughs> hey, shouty. A manager of mine once said, uh, he's like, I think it's like trying to trying to talk to you is like, trying to take a drink from a fire hose I think a lot of people got to be pretty brave <laughs> it's funny I, you know when people talk to comics they just think heckling is like a big part of it I think I, yeah people talk sometimes but they're mm. drunk and silly that's mm. not the same like, no 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 actual malicious heckling yeah. I think malicious heckling has happened in my career maybe a dozen May, maybe at most two dozen times in 18 almost 19 years <laughs> wow. and I've done nearly 7,000 shows yeah. so you would think at that point so the numbers are so low but yeah. when it does happen yeah with very few exceptions, I completely go insane on those people. Like, really? Not, I don't yell at them. I don't. I just am so. I had one woman once. She was being. She was. It's usually when they're really shitty to my opener. Yeah. Because it's and newer comics particularly. I don't like that shit. Like, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they'll go. And one woman went after went after him so hard, and she was just being a total jerk. Mm-hmm. And then I started. To, I said, Hey, you know, if you want to talk, there's somewhere else to go. She's like, Nah, I think I talk wherever the fuck I want. And I'm like, All right. Well, there's a show. Other people are enjoying it. She goes, You're not funny. I go, Well. You're not good looking enough to be this mean. And it was oh. just like, <laughs> that's all I do. Decimation. I don't ever swear at him. I don't ever, yeah. like, I just don't because there's Very no point. Calm. But almost without, without, and then it just doesn't stop. And then it's just like, I will just be yeah. mean. That's why I don't do roast battles. Because yeah. it will it will immediately degrade into me going, here's why your fucking act sucks. <laughs> and you don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> you just go way too and far. And I won't recognize the, you're done. So I will just go yeah. off for five minutes. <laughs> and then it will be not nice. And people will be like, how come no one ever invites me to parties anymore? Well, because you made... <laughs> You made him cry. Like you're so a wild. I don't Simon. do it. I'm, I have a chuckly exterior, but inside I'm a, just a ball of snakes. <laughs> I met a really rich girl once in mm. England, and she had a ball of tarantula feet. Of tarantula feet? <laughs> yeah. The fuck? I don't know. She had a ball of tarantula feet. Yeah, that's what she said. Oh, she said she didn't have it with her. No, I was no, like, that's was, a little better. No, I held it, and then when she told me that, I dropped it, and a bunch fell off. She's like, that's expensive. It's like, yeah. I believe that what the fuck (laughs) her her like and they wonder why people want a revolution her godfather is mick jagger her godfather's mick jagger oh he probably probably gives those away christmas yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that's a stocking stuffer for give her another tarantula foot like just hand him out he's just got him in his car hey you are love that's how he tips people (laughs) (laughs) tarantula feet there's valets out there with them around their neck on like a it's like I don't know why he's got uh, just tarantulas fear Mick Jagger. There's a big poster in the tarantula town hall of yeah, Mick Jagger. Yeah. If you see this man, <laughs> guard your feet. That's tarantulas great. with wooden legs. Tick 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 tick. I ran into Mick Jagger twelve years ago. He lost three of my best feet. Like, I don't know why he's just feet captain. More. Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, I'm fine. I'm pretty good. But he's not running any miles. You know what I mean? Anyway, so anyway, bottom line, he could only get three. He could only get three. That's the thing. That's how bad he is. He's got like a pair of garden shears or whatever the fuck he's doing chasing a tarantula trench like you want a fucking piece of me he's pretty weak looking yeah he doesn't look that strong he's 80 years old is he he's gotta be something like that that's that's the sad thing is like these rocks it's almost like the rock stars that are dying at like 65 and 70 
in a way, it's a kindness. It's like an old dog. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you've got this dog that used to run all the time. And, and then one day his legs don't work and he's not getting any like, uh, yeah. you know, but with rock stars, it's like, well, I can't remember the words to life's been good to me so far. And he's, <laughs> he's a little shaky there because of all the years of cocaine lesions. Yeah. I can't believe those guys outlive Prince. Fuck right. Doesn't seem fair. Well, Prince, it was it was the yeah. I mean, Prince that it, Prince had the James Brown problem. It's the hips, right? Yeah. That's what, that's what goes on a Prince. Everyone knows his... if you breed a Prince, that's the hips. It's like a bulldog. He's dancing in high heels for thirty-five years. Yeah. My doctor told me to stop it. <laughs> he said, "Simon, I know it's good for your calves, but come on." And I've slimmed down. I used to look like a speed skater with wow. my big big hips. Just an Elvis Stoico. <laughs> Um, yeah, because he was only little. Prince was only tiny. He was only a fragile little thing. 5'2 or something like Jesus, that. Jesus, that's not much of a prince. <laughs> that's <laughs> short on prince. And then so, uh, yeah, so we... Fu- but you see, I didn't think like... Uh, Michael Jackson's hips never went, did they? His back went. I don't know. I don't know what kind yeah, of... Yeah, elemental thing. That's a good way to describe it. Uh, but I, but his, phys- his physical body, because he was 50 when he died, right? So his physical body was kind of like... Which is weird. That's like nine years older than I am. But in my head, I think it's so old. But like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not that old, you know? Yeah, I think. Did you listen to Michael Jackson? You're a little kid. Was, a little bit, yeah, that yeah, like a little really bit. That was that was. I was born in '77, so that was like, I was about ten when we were just after Thriller and shit. So it was he was in prime. You yeah. know, did Bad. you know that he and Prince had this rivalry that was like pretty like you you describing yourself in a roast battle like that? Yeah. Like, really? Like like Prince called him a faggot on stage a bunch of really? times and stuff like that, and then and then like <laughs> they were supposed to do. Michael Jackson was like, yeah, like it was competitive. You yeah, know? yeah. So pr- Michael Jackson was like, at the end of uh, Bad, I want, I'm, you know, I want to have that be a duet with Prince. And Prince is like, okay, I'll do it in the condition that I can say who's bad at the end. And Michael Jackson was like, no, that's my line. You're fired and fired him off the song. And oh, then, my God. And then Prince got asked to do the Batman soundtrack. Yeah. And then so he was like, let's bring... Michael Jackson and he can do Batman's music and I'll do the Joker's music. Yeah. Michael Jackson was like, I want to do the Joker's music. He's like, you're fired and fired him back. <laughs> they fired each other back and forth all the time. So oh petty. my God. <laughs> the thing is, they were both incredibly talented. I got to say though, I think Prince had the edge. I'm way, I th- I mean, way bigger. Michael Prince Jackson thing. had the, Michael Jackson had the showman thing. Yeah. I mean, Prince was a showman, but I think Prince, uh, Prince was a musical, musical prodigy. Yeah, I mean, P- like, Prince was, Prince was, I mean, incredible guitar. Player. I was just going to say, drummer. like, it just instruments alone. Yeah. If you took the vocals and the writing out of it, yeah. just his abilities yeah, were yeah. fucking phenomenal. Yeah, totally. Michael Jackson had a lot to him. I mean, oh, he was a great vocalist, and he was a, he was a good for for his particularly the early stuff. He's a great songwriter for mm-hmm. what it was. Um, but he really aged out of the eighties. The eighties was done. Michael Jackson was done. I think Prince continued to create great work. He, yeah. he didn't peak as much because the world changed. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of room for purple velour in 2010, but <laughs> it was there. But I think that Prince had that old school James Brownie Mo- Motown yeah. Jack of all trades Aretha Franklin real musical genius sort of thing and Michael Jackson had the I was beaten so hard I know how to sing <laughs> so, <laughs> and he, he could he he learned how to do the moonwalk because he was backing away from his angry dad <laughs> that's how he first Who did it looks like Joe, Jafar jo- from Aladdin Joe took his belt off and, and Michael Jackson was like <laughs> oh my just, God. just backed away I used to have a joke I said I think Michael Jackson's moonwalk was him backing away from angry parents <laughs> so good that's so <laughs> hey, hey, that 40-year-old white woman assaulted my kid. Woo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> 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 there would be a great sketch, Michael Jackson in the uh, witness relocation program because of like the mob or some shit. Yeah. And everyone just knows it's clearly Michael Jackson. He's like, I don't know what he's just bagging groceries. I don't know what you're talking about. 
one like glove. He, he faked his death, and that yeah, he's got one latex glove on. So he's like, I don't know what you're talking. It's like, are you Michael Jackson? His body's old, but his face is still like Perfect. he's got a warranty, right? Because he's, he's got like, a warranty on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you guy working at the car wash is Michael Jackson. <laughs> But he just says like that. I like that he needs a job for some reason. <laughs> because he's he's a witness relocation. He had to fucking blend in. You gotta yeah. blend in. The mobs, hey, you guys seen a creepy magician guy, musician guy around here? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. They just They should remake Michael Jack they should re- they should do Breaking Bad with Michael Jackson. Yeah. Making bad. And it just should be like Michael Jackson. <laughs> as just all the Walter White lines. Yeah. I'm the guy who knocks. Just like. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I need my own fucking uh, production department. I can See? just call him up and go, here's what I need you to do. In your pitch meeting, you should have just said that. I know it was 15 years before that. Yeah. <laughs> she said, you guys aren't going to believe what I'm going to come up with after Michael Jackson dies. Wait, what? Hold on. Prince is dead too. I got a lot of information. You're not going to like, oh shit, and the president? Woo. Anyway. <laughs> Nick Kroll one time described 90s Michael Jackson is looking like a jazzy lizard. <laughs> jazzy lizard That's king. exactly. Jazzy lizard jazzy king. Jazzy lizard king, yeah. Jazzy lizard king. <laughs> Fuck, that's exactly... Yeah, that's perfect. The jazzy lizard king. <laughs> it sounds like a dance. You guys, you guys want to put on the new Black Sheep album and do the jazzy lizard king? <laughs> Listen, remember Black Sheep? No. Nope. Great. No, I do. What did I pull out the other day? I was talking to Colin Sharp. Oh, King T. I pulled out King T the other day, and he's like, that's a name I haven't heard in a minute. Wow. Yeah, yeah King T, old school, baby. I've been listening to Black Sheep this week. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I know. I don't know what made me think about were they it. No, they were no diggity, weren't they? No, that's no. Black Street. Black Street. Uh, Black, Black Sheep. Was, uh, you could get with this. Oh, you, you could, could get, get with that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. That was back when everyone had like the basic... Remember when there was that Womp There It Is and then yep. Woot There It Is? They were basically <laughs> the same song and two people just put them out. Yep. It was the most knockoff shitty thing. It, it was just like... Uh, it would be like if someone put out like af- right after I Can't Get No Satisfaction comes out, someone put out I Can't Get No uh, uh, Relief. I don't like... I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a shitty hyphen version. Colon. Hyphen colon. I'm not happy. I really need some, you know, it would be good. <laughs> it would be good if I could get some. <laughs> to get some. <laughs> I've been thinking about this, uh, speaking of things, mm. music from, from the 90s that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, How is this? Oh, fuck. But didn't. This is Crash Test Dummies. Yep. This song is called mm-hmm. <laughs> Even when I was a kid, I was like, this is fucking weird. Which is very different if you Creepy. if you pronounce this song as John Lovitz. This is the Crash Test Dummies with mm-hmm. <laughs> Once there was this boy who... <laughs> Holy shit. John Lovitz, everything. Yeah, this was weird. Like, is that guy singing just... Is he just dropping his voice unnaturally? I don't know. His voice doesn't, doesn't match his weird... Freddie Mercury with no mustache face. Yeah, he so. has like he has almost the, this almost the the Crash Test Dummies were one of those bands where it was like, Hootie. Well, they were never as big as Hootie, but they were like that band where they were like big enough, and then <clears throat> gone. Yeah. <clears throat> like, whatever happened? Like, like, are they are they playing like are they like Doug and the Slugs these days? Are they playing like fairs? I don't know. Like, Doug and the Slugs still going. Yeah, and it's like people make fun of Spin Doctors a lot. And spin Doctors. They were around. fucking huge. I know. But this band, I think, is like post-grunge, where there was like a bunch of bands that were yeah. poppy that looked like grunge bands, but sounded like this. Yeah, this was that weird spot where it was like, like, uh, yeah, because 
so I, I read this article about Thorazine, and it was saying that Thorazine was pretty much responsible for grunge. Because okay. Thorazine was introduced into Seattle as one of the test markets. Now, I don't know how accurate this is, is what I read. And that the Thorazine was being given as, and it, it really changes people's perspective. And, and basically, okay. it's directly linked to the kinds of, the kind of music you would make if you were on Thorazine is grunge, right? <laughs> okay. And so what I'm wondering is what pills are responsible for this shit? <laughs> like, is it just Sucrets? What the fuck is this guy doing? Whatever it was, it voice? tasted good. Because after exactly. you had it, you were like, mm -hmm. it's like... It's like, just put him on Ativan. Yeah. The original song's like, what's with this for who? It's <laughs> just like, it's supposed to be like a NoFX type thing, but yeah. it just slowed it right down. Yeah. They were originally faster than the Ramones, but someone fucking pumped Ativan into their tour bus. And I mean, they ended up to his voice now. Yeah. It's so low. That's not a normal I wonder if he sounds like... I wonder if that's how he talks i've never even seen an interview with him yeah, no. yeah so I'm good. like is that's weird that's pretty good because he's only tiny yeah like he's not like he's not a huge man he's not I mean, like he's not print size but he's no he's not print size i mean who is these days he's bite size <laughs> that was back when you could be print sized and have a career now you gotta yeah. be huge it's like the nfl you can't be tiny anymore you know yeah you know it's funny i remember when um because they crash test dummies had a song on the dumb and dumber soundtrack and oh yeah yeah but it wasn't him singing it was a girl and i was like what, what? yeah you can't do that they're probably, like, singer. they're probably like, this will be in a key that is not <laughs> that is not the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So if you could, this will be in C. Oh, I can't do that. And just yeah. fucking walk out of the room. This <laughs> <laughs> scares him. He's, he's like, okay, do a scale. Do. And he just stays there. That's all he stays yeah. at. He can't move up. <laughs> like, well, we have a career for you. But yeah, so see, this is a very 90s music video too. But there's money in this video, so they must have had a point at which they were making some dough. This was so big, Weird Al made fun of it. Yeah, that's true. That's how you know you made it. It's true. I, I would say that, like, I know I'll, I'll have made it if uh, if there's a school shooting, they find my album on the school shooter's iPod. <laughs> that's how I know I'll have made it. They'll be like, he was listening to... That's what made Marilyn Manson's career. I mean, when that got out, everyone's like, what the fuck? I listen to this. If they find my album, and at first I'll be horrified, of course, and then I'll be like, those album sales are going through the roof. <laughs> They'll be like, he was listening to this this material by this unknown comedian. I'll be like, who is it? You know, it's funny. I was, I was listening to Henry Rollins talk about how Beavis and Butthead used to just spike his sales. Really? Every time Rollins' band was on there, and yeah. they were like, this is cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. He said you could watch SoundScan just go through the roof for about a wow. month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, though. It's like, because that even happens nowadays. Like, sometimes I'll get, like, a retweet by someone or, or yeah. something, and then it'll go fucking bananas. You kill it on there. It shows you just how much one person, like, one or two people who yeah. are famous can can build your career but like the they really can. people that like you are really <coughs> successful and respected too, like Burt Kreischer and Doug Stanhope. Like, how'd that even happen? Well, the Kreischer thing happened because the Stanhope thing happened because I've I've known Stanhope since like 2013, and uh, and that was just what happened was I I made a joke because I I followed him. And because uh, I have a rule, I don't follow that many people. Yeah. I don't, don't follow that many because I'm just like, it just gets too many. I don't want to be one of those disingenuous people. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and um, so I followed him and I. I, I tweeted at him once. I go, hey, you should follow me back. And he goes, uh, he goes, you got to make me laugh first. I'm like, <laughs> okay, challenge accepted. And then a few months later, someone posted something about Jim Jeffries had stolen a, a, a Doug Stanhope bit. No, oh. um, and um, he stole it uh, years ago. And this is one of the reasons they had a bit of a contention. Jim has admitted it mm. and apologized. Oh, okay. Still didn't change things, but anyway, yeah. he admitted and apologized. So someone posted and t said to, t to Doug, "Oh, Jim Jeffries is doing a bit very similar to yours." And Doug tweeted back it's not similar it's exact copy of mine no. but the comic has admitted it and accepted it and then the killer termites went bananas and they're gonna fucking he's like no yeah. no no comedians deal with this themselves leave it alone and yeah, i yeah. said i hate when comedians steal from other comedians 
you can hear about it in my latest episode of my podcast, The Doug Stanhope Podcast. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I got you. <laughs> so I was like, I got him. And since then, it's been like, and with Kreischer, it was because I put up that video. Someone tweeted it at Bert and at, at Bill Burr and that my Bill Burr impression. And yeah. someone tweeted it and, and Kreischer was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And retweeted it. And then, you know, it, it made the rounds. And then since then, we've had a little bit of back and forth. He's a funny guy. He's a funny I guy. I love Bert Kreischer. Fuck, he's so funny, man. He's such, such a silly. I like him. Yeah, that's what it is. He's such a silly dude. Yeah. Like you, like you, I watched, have you seen his new special? Yeah, I loved it. Secret Time. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. the first thing he does, yeah. just walks out on stage, takes his shirt off. He's like, <laughs> fuck it. And I know that's his thing, yeah. but I'm like, this is HD. Like, you know what I mean? You got a late 40s body in yeah. HD. And he's not like he's like, there's no Vaseline on the lens, man. This motherfucker no. just stands there. But it's just who he is. It's just his, that that is not so much about not having a shirt on. That's just, he's like, I'm going to do exactly what I do in clubs. Yeah. I'm going to just do what I do. Yeah. I'm going to do the special that I do. I'm going to do the material that I do. Yeah. And, and the material's all like, it's just... I call it like folksy comedy, like comedy that you could, it, it's like someone, you would listen to them sitting around a campfire. It's totally. not being pr- presented to you like, like I show up and it's like, I, I just Adam bomb the place. I just, that's what I do. <laughs> I go to work. But he, the kind of comedy he does, which is kind of comedy I really enjoy a lot, mm-hmm. is like, it's just like conversational and you could, it could be at a party. Yeah. You know, there'd be like 40 people there drinking a beer and he's just telling you stories and you'd be losing your mind. Yeah. And I love that kind of shit. I love that kind of shit. You, you do a version of that too. Well, like I when we're sometimes. having drinks and yeah. it's a group. Yeah. Similar to that. Yeah. Well, I'm not working then. Like if I'm chilling around. Yeah. But I mean, like you could take his act from the stage and like yeah. I, I'm just on stage. I'm me just cranked up. Like, yeah, yeah. Like every performer. Right. It's just me. Just I kick another couple of notches into it. But totally. with, with Bert, I feel like it's like. There's really not that. I, I don't know him personally, but I feel like there's probably not that much difference between who he is on stage and who he is from there's, everything I've heard and listened to. I think there's almost no difference because um, hmm. this podcast is really like the the first like 40 minutes of it every time is just him and his wife. I know. Um, I like it. Which yeah. I like. Yeah. And then he's just so conversational and the episodes go like three hours just because he yeah. likes being social. Yeah. Yeah. He'll and have a drink with every fan after every yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> he's, but he's got that to him. I think he's just one of those guys who's. He's not just, I think he understands the extraordinary position he's in, and I think he's grateful for it. It seems to me like he's grateful. Like some celebrities, some comedians particularly, they feel entitled. Comedians have a combination between great ego and persecution complexes. That seems to be what most comedians are. They're very sure of themselves and also absolutely positive that everyone's out to get them and that they probably don't deserve to be there, which is part of it. Whereas I think a guy like Bert, he seems to me to be a guy who's just like a really fucking nice guy. And he's <laughs> yeah. just like, I, that's why I like Doug because yeah. Stanhope to me is like a guy who does comedy but doesn't need it to be complete. Yeah. But it just happens to be a genius at it. Yeah, and yeah. And I think that's what it is. Uh, those those are the really good ones, I think. That's so great. And then you, uh, you've you played with Stanhope a lot, right? A couple times, yeah. Not not a lot, but we've, we've hung out a couple times, but like definitely I've, I've opened for him twice, yeah. Yeah, he's, cool. he's fucking great, yeah. And, and I always know, you always know if you do well if he burns you from the stage, and he burned me fucking hard last he time. He did, <laughs> you and Mace. <laughs> <laughs> he went after me, yeah, because Mace opened the Rio, yeah. and uh, he fucking <laughs> nuked me. Mace <laughs> the night before at the uh, at the the laugh lines the Columbia Theater one mm-hmm. <laughs> I came off stage and he's like Simon you just made me 50 bucks because I bet Ch- Chaley bet me there wasn't a comedian in the world who could fit an hour of material into 16 minutes <laughs> <laughs> he's like you didn't have to do every joke you know <laughs> I'm like alright <laughs> that's great 
<laughs> it's funny. It's funny because I've been trying to slow down, and like I'm as slow as I've ever been, and I just—it's so frustrating for me. Yeah. I want to release an album every couple of years called At Speed, and just do it at the speed I want to do it. Yeah. And just be like, like you know, I have your hot sauce, and then you have your lunatics only hot sauce. Like I want to do that version of my act. <laughs> yeah. Just like this is the way. This is how fast I want to go. Yeah. Just so you know, because it's just. I mean, I talk quickly anyway. Yeah. So you throw adrenaline behind that, and then I have a point to make or something. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know how you do it, man. I just use all the words. <laughs> That's why I won't be around for long. I guess you have a certain amount of words you have as a human. I've probably got three or four years of words left. I've used them all up. <laughs> it's funny, too, because your stuff is so edgy, but audiences don't get a chance to like be bummed about it. Yeah. And you're, you're on to the yeah. next thing. Because yeah. this city, I think, is can be pretty fickle with oh yeah offensive material yeah, yeah. and you have a joke about waving your son's head in front of a microwave yeah 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 stuff like that but they to don't help get a him to help him <laughs> to make him dumber so he's happier <laughs> if he was an idiot anyway if he'd eat the crayons like i asked him i wouldn't have to do that <laughs> now he does it well. now he does it yeah now, now he's fine with it uh, <laughs> catch him watching fox news yeah. just coming along real good perfect maybe there should be a wall dad good for you buddy <laughs> two-year-old idiot um, but no, I think I think the thing is I think why comics in Vancouver tend to be so strong is because the 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 environment that we grew up in comedically. So, like I started in two thousand, which was like mm-hmm. when comedy was. We didn't even have a comedy club in Vancouver in two thousand and one. Like there wasn't even a club. Really? Yeah, there's laugh lines in in the U S. But in Vancouver, that no the yuck yucks I started at was done in two thousand and one. I think the two thousand end of two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and it was gone. There was no club. Yeah. There's no work. The road gigs were terrible. Nobody. There was no comedy on TV really, except for comedy now and and you know. The just for laughs stuff from the early nineties. Yeah, there wasn't really anything to watch, so audiences that came to shows had no idea what they were seeing. Most of them came to comedy once a year because they were tired of seeing mm-hmm. bands or DJs or whatever it was at that point. Yeah, and so <clears throat> you would be completely there would be no frame of reference, which was good and bad. It was bad because the numbers were down. It was harder to get work. Surviving as a comedian in Canada is hard enough as it is when you're established, but yeah. in the early days. There was really no, and there were also a lot of the guys kicking around, you know, people who'd been doing it 15 years started in 85 at that point. So yeah. these were people who went through the boom and were bitter. Yeah. And so you were dealing with a lot of that. So you had a lot of guys higher up the ladder trying to kick you off the ladder oh, yeah. and then nowhere to go when you fell. And then now a lot of audiences are more savvy, which mm-hmm. is good, but mm-hmm. not necessarily more aware. Like they come into it understanding about stand-up comedy. They go, okay, well, I know I've seen stand-up comedy on television. I've seen it on YouTube, but they still don't understand that like a band, what you see live is not necessarily the same thing you see. So, because yeah. it used to be, if someone wanted to see stand-up comedy that wasn't, like they'd either go to a club or if they wanted to see it uh, on like, uh, they wanted to watch it, they'd have to get get a tape or, a, you know, whatever it was, listen to an album. They'd have to go out and seek out what they were looking for. Right. So they would go and find the George Carlin's. They would go and find the, you know, the, the Eddie Murphy's, whatever. Yeah, they would go and find those. But whereas now, if you type stand-up comedy into a YouTube video, you get everything from some guy's first five minutes to, you know, the the best set that Wonder Sykes ever laid down or whatever the fuck you get. And you yeah. get everything in between. And so what the problem is, is now people don't – now people think it is – I think people believe it's a lot easier than it is. And oh, so totally. they come into it – a lot of audiences now come into it with the belief that they could be doing it too. So yeah. w- there's no respect for – I think there's less respect for the art form in a way than there was. Oh, man. It's weird. Yeah. Well, they're 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 the funny person in their group or something. Yeah. Which isn't those are the, the worst. Same as being funny. No, those as are the stand-up. worst. Because they're always like they're it's it's this weird thing where people because it's like 
I don't think anyone would go into uh, you know a, a guitar center and pick up a guitar never having never played before and expect to be able to play like Hendrix. They wouldn't do that. I don't think <laughs> yeah. anyone would be like, I'm just going to hammer out this Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan shit mm-hmm. first time I've ever done it yeah. because they respect the amount of work and time and effort because yeah. this chord is still learning the shit to do and they yeah, respect. Yeah. They figure, oh, that's going to be 20 years of work or whatever. But with mm-hmm. comedians, they go, it's just talking. Yeah. They don't get what, and so that's frustrating too for me as an as an older comic now. Mm-hmm with comedians as well so mm-hmm. like there's this argument now where you can't be funny anymore because everything's so pc that's not that's not true at all mm-hmm. w- what's changed is you can't be lazy funny anymore uh, okay. you can't just hike up at the size of your eyes and go me so solly anymore like people <laughs> did in like 1998 yeah. and get a laugh yeah you can't do that shit and if you can you should really fucking be you know you're playing to the wrong people you should be we should be doing better than that yeah the other problem is is that now you're having comedians come into it their first maybe 10, 12 times on stage. They feel like because they've they've been fans before, they've listened to podcasts, they've watched yeah. everything, they feel like they've listened to every episode of What the Fuck and the Joe Rogan experience. They know what comedy is. Yeah. So they get on stage thinking, I should be able to talk about shit like Bill Burr or Doug mm-hmm. Stanhope or Maria Bamford does, and they don't understand yeah. that's years of experience. You have to learn how to do it the right way and t- do it sorry do it the, the easy way take it apart and then do it the hard way and yeah. they don't know that so they're getting on stage and doing their 10 minutes of rape jokes and not understanding why the audience is oh these audience is too PC no it's not funny I've seen it and it's not funny you're not yeah. doing a good job yeah yeah and you might have one or two good ideas but by and large you're and what they're doing is by going up and doing that they're fucking it up for the rest of us because those totally. of us who do know what we're doing mm-hmm. A, a, audiences can only take so much so I can't go on if some guy does five minutes of race material that's garbage and offensive I can't go on and do race material that I'm actually making a point about because yeah. the audience would be like just another white guy talking about it. so yeah. it's not it's not either one group's problem individually but together yeah. it's just a disaster because yeah. you get these people and there and absolutely there are people who are stick up their ass like you shan't you can't talk about that you can't and I have a bit about it in my not the next hour but the hour after <laughs> that I do about it's that that beat a baby to death joke and I go that's how we that's how my brain deals with things yeah, that's yeah. how I handle so you can't tell me how I mm-hmm. like I don't go to a funeral and knock a sandwich out of your hand and go she was old like I don't do that <laughs> shit you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> like I, I so so you can't you can't you don't get to tell someone you don't go to an art gallery and go like you shouldn't ever use red this is a bullshit I don't like yeah. red well that's yeah. the, but there's a, there's a balance that has to be had I mean comedy for what it is is a team sport yeah. We need the audience and they need us. That's a good point. Um, they need us more than we need them, which is weird. Yeah, totally. But you think it's the other way around, but it's not. But there is the definitely comedians got to come correct. And there's a lot of lazy comedy. I'd say 85% of stand-up comedy is garbage. Really? I think that's a generous. I feel like that about rap music. But maybe, I th- I think, maybe I think higher. I, I think most art forms. I think yeah. you could probably find that, that, that probably high percentages of people who do most any, particularly performance art, mm-hmm. because it seems to be easy. Yeah, because the good ones make it easy. Like exactly. John Mulaney, he makes it look easy because he, yeah. he's so matter of fact and slow speaking. Yeah. And then it seems he's not using any big words or yeah. anything. Yeah. He's kind of talking like how kids talk. I, I don't know what it is, but he he makes it look easy. Yeah. And Jeselnik makes yeah. being offensive look easy. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. Like only he can really do that thing. Yeah. Like if you look at Stanhope, Stanhope, for my money, for me personally, mm-hmm. is, is the best. Maybe ever. I, mm-hmm. I really think, in terms of overall, um, yeah. n- not laugh out loud funny. I mean, I'd go with a, a Brian Regan for that. Yeah. But they're both geniuses in their own right because yeah. Stanhope will tackle an incredibly difficult subject yeah. and do it in a way that even if you don't agree with him, you understand yeah. and you see his point and you get it. My favorite thing 
is when someone comes up to me and goes, I loved 90% of what you did. Because <laughs> that means 10% of it's still pushing them. I yeah. love that. I love that. I don't want them to be on board. I don't want to preach to the converted. Yeah. You're never going to reach the people too far away because you'll never get them. But yeah. it's the people in the middle, which is 90% of people or what you want. Yeah. So if you can't make yourself adaptable and you can't communicate to those people, mm -hmm. if, if that's where I think comedians get weak is when they're just playing to their own base yeah, totally you can see them get weaker it happened with louis for instance and and they just get weaker because they they play to people who laugh at anything yeah and so they're no longer because they're famous i mean when yeah. whenever you see a, a comedy special and a comedian walks out to a standing ovation that's bad sign that's true i mean it's it's par for the course in america but yeah. it also means that why are you standing yeah that the standing ovation should be the absolute utmost you could do to show how great it that that should be like mm -hmm. very rare standing ovation should be uncommon it yeah. should be like holy shit yeah that was bananas that's a good point because in in that way stanhope will always kind of be pushing the envelope because he's like right below mainstream in a way yeah, yeah. so he's always comfortable to try something brand new yeah instead of like Dane Cook or someone like, yeah. well, I know this will work well in an arena into my fratty yeah. crowd or whatever. It's just, so he will always be pushing it, I think, because his audience demands it, I guess. Well, I think that's also his his natural, I mean, I think he's one of those guys where he, in a lot of ways, he's won the career lottery. I mean, he made it happen. He's done the work. I'm not, totally. I'm not taking away that, but, yeah. but he's got everything he needs. He's got a fan base that sustains him. He's got enough money that he doesn't have to worry. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. He does what he does. He produces the things he wants to produce. He can take as long as he wants between producing things. Yeah. And he also has so much respect from... I've never met a comedian that doesn't at very least completely respect him. Totally. They may not like his material, but that's yeah. fine. That's artistic preference. Yeah. But I've never met a comic that ever says to me, Stan Hope's no good. I've never, I've never, and I don't want to be a fanboy. Yeah. But to me, it's like, that's where you want to be. And that, that was true of Carlin. Mm -hmm. There are people, plenty of people who say Carlin wasn't that funny. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of stuff that wasn't that funny. But you could never say that he wasn't great. Yeah. Same with Richard Pryor. I mean, to yeah. me, I never really got on with Pryor as much as it being funny to me. Yeah. Because, you know, it just wasn't what tickled my fancy. But mm -hmm. I can't argue the fact that the guy was great genius at it. There's no argument. Yeah. And so I think that, but you're right, that mainstream thing, that's like, you know, you could know a, a guitar player who's maybe the best guitar player in the world, but he's in like an independent punk band, so he'll never get top 40 plays, so no one will ever know. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they find out about when they're dead. That's one thing the internet does do. Yeah. Because you can find that person. Now. That's true. You know what's interesting about uh, about um, musicianship in that way, though, is like the guy who sits in his room and plays scales all the time, and he's mm -hmm. really good, doesn't mean he's going to be a good songwriter, though. Exactly. So I don't know what the equivalent to that would be in comedy. Dane Cook. <laughs> okay. No, but exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Dane Cook is an incre was, yeah. I, I haven't seen him in a long time, an yeah. incredibly good showman. Yeah. Incredibly powerful in a room. Yeah. I, I worked with him once or twice, yeah. and, and I saw what he did. He, there, was no, there was no denying the magnetism he Absolutely. had. Absolutely. He had incredible power. He did not have the material to back it up. Mm. What, but there when are, was this? There, this is like 06, 07. Really? Yeah, so that's 05, like, 06. That's like right when his album yeah. came out. That was I opened big... for him in Aspen in 05. No way. And then I worked with him again uh, in 06, or saw him again in 06. Mm -hmm. In 07? 06? Anyway, yeah. it was in that period. Yeah. And there are, com like, I believe that's the same way with Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, mm -hmm. but it's also not for me. Yeah. It's not my type of humor. Okay. But Kevin Hart is an incredibly magnetic performer. You cannot argue that that so guy charismatic. owns the room. Yeah. Um, Technically, material-wise, what's mm -hmm. he saying? Yeah. I mean, what was Dane saying? Yeah. Nothing. 
but he was the guy that everyone wanted to say see say nothing and so that's yeah. that but does it have the longevity no yeah and that's what i think someone like richard pryor had which is he had that control of the room and he had the material same with carlin yeah same with joan rivers particularly in her early I days love joan rivers man. oh man early joan rivers is people sleep on that and they fucking should not she yeah. was a absolute till the end oh fuck what a beast like <laughs> dude her first ever uh, i think it was tonight show or ed sullivan show appearance like 67 mm-hmm. she's doing like women's rights shit yeah at, like it's really good yeah. like it's re- people if she did that now <laughs> Fuck me. She'd have been 10 times more famous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's a shame that it went down to a point where she was just kind of like, uh, you know, kind of doing the celebrity gossip TMZ bullshit. But yeah, like, she still had that. My buddy opened for, uh, really? for a bunch. Really? Like, went on tour with her for like a year and he said Whoa. she was just fucking sharp as shit. I believe it, yeah. man. And yeah. she was, she would, her work ethic I heard was really great. Yeah, she was too. a beast. She'd get mad if she had like two. Did you ever see that piece of work documentary? No, I want to. Fuck, you see the way she lived? She lived like Marie Antoinette. Really? Fuck her, her she had like an entire floor as an apartment in Manhattan and it's all gold. <laughs> no wonder she was, someone said about Joan Rivers once and this is perfect. They go, she was still running a race she won years ago. <laughs> That's so cool. She just kept working. She had this big diary and she would just go through, it's in piece of work. She'd go through it. She'd go, I've got two dates free in January and two days. Like, what the fuck? Wow. Just wouldn't stop. And her like, daughter was always working with her and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like, she had this show on YouTube before she died called Getting in Bed with Joan. <laughs> and she'd be in bed and then the closet would open and she wouldn't know who was in there. And it'd yeah. be like, TJ Miller would come out. Then he'd get in bed and they'd have an hour long interview. <laughs> and it was really funny. I yeah, had like, yeah. all these like current comics I like. That's um, cool. I should look that up. Yeah, it's, it's all on YouTube. But the TJ Miller one. She she's asking about his stand up and he's like, Yeah, Conan used to like really support me and she's like, Conan, that pussy and she starts <laughs> ripping up Con- everyone loves Conan O'Brien. <laughs> That's the great thing about getting old and being a grumpy fuck but being a comedian. Yeah. Is you can always go, I'm just kidding, but you can just say all the grumpy old person shit. <laughs> yeah. Like if Stanhope lives past sixty, which yeah. I don't think it's happening, but if he does, <laughs> fuck, he's gonna be a great old man. Oh, just I, be a wandering, just hey, fucking hey. like look at George when Carlin was like, I mean, he died at 72, wasn't even that old, yeah. but like Carlin, like, I mean, he should probably should have died 20 years before yeah. that. He was just holding on by it. But the stuff he was getting away with when he was old, like, yeah, man, fuck you, you piece of shit, people should die. Hey, here's what I hate about you. And it was all like, I'm coming to your house to murder you. And everyone's like, yeah, oh, it's funny because it's George. And I'm like, I think he'll do it. <laughs> what are they going to get him? Life in prison? He's 72, you know? <laughs> I'm getting true. a better deal. <laughs> Um, Stanhope's book is so good. Well, both right, of both them, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the um, this is not fame. Yeah, book? yeah, it's amazing. It's just the stories, road stories. Yeah, I I, I, I thought they're, they're such different books. Like the first book, uh, Digging Up Mother, is so um, assisting his mother's suicide. Oh, and the book is so sweet. Yeah, it's such a it's such a it's most unique book. It's very unique. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely something that you. I mean, I listened to the audiobook and mm-hmm. read it. I I listened to the audiobook first. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like, I find that audiobooks, particularly Doug, because he brings people in and does like almost podcasts. The audiobooks are yeah. almost better than the book itself. Wow. Um, but I listened to it and I was like, man, this is like, it's like heartbreaking, but it's also uplifting and it's yeah. like, it's kind and it's, it's, he's a, he's a phenomenally good writer. I mean, you know that anyway, but it's nice to see someone. That's why a lot of comedians are actually good dramatic actors and they're good writers and they're good because they make that step over. Because I think being a comedian, you connect with emotion in a certain way. Yeah. Um, like Robin Williams was a phenomenal dramatic actor because he, he, I think he had that in him. He had that sadness. You didn't have to go far to find it. Yeah. And most comedians are inherently, 
you know, emotional. And that's what I was talking about earlier about the, the comics that are perhaps less real and less genuine is, mm-hmm. is those comics that I don't think maybe access that as well or hide it from themselves. Okay. So they hide behind their ego and they don't. And I think those comics tend to not be as good, mm. at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, not that I'm going to be some purist and be like, it's going to be honest, man. Because like, <laughs> like, like Brian Regan, who I was talking about earlier, he's yeah. an incredibly honest comic. That's yeah. who he is. That yeah. Those are the things, and remarkably subversive in his own little way. He just yeah. doesn't swear and he doesn't, yeah. like whereas Doug Stanhill will talk about abortion, Brian Regan will talk about, you know, UPS. But yeah. they, they have their own little way of dealing with it. This is their own, and that's the honesty of it. It doesn't yeah. matter what you talk about, it's how you approach it and how you connect with it. Yeah. So some for me, some of my most, most honest bits are the bits that, seem the silliest or the most because that's everything I do I try and do everything I do I've written on stage I've, I've come up with an idea yeah and I've riffed it out so it has that authenticity if that's how I feel about it that's how I connected to it yeah so I don't remember words so much I remember like lily pad emotion parts so right, right. I'll remember like this bit gets to here and I know it kind of gets to here and I have to say the words in that direction to get to that point right yeah and whatever words I say that I feel at that time keeps it fresh but as long as I end up I mean this point you obviously have to have your punchlines mm-hmm but I go, okay, I got to get from A to C. Uh, whatever happens at B, that's what happens that night. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and then over time, you refine it. And then when it becomes passe, when you know what B is going to be, it's time to move on. Yeah. So if the, if the hair stops standing up on the back of my neck when I'm doing a bit, I don't do it anymore. Wow. Like, that's kind of it. That's why I don't do my act in town much. Yeah. When I tour, I do it. Yeah. Keeps it fresh. But I don't tend to do the bits. Mm-hmm. Like, most everything I do in town is riffing or having fun, mm-hmm. just, you know, coming up with new ideas. Or what I'll do is I'll do something for two weeks like the homeless veterans bit or something. I'll do that for two weeks and try it in an audience where I know they will get upset. (laughs) And so I find out a way to do it where they won't. And then I've, and then I've, I've done that. So I know I can put that away for a while. And when I come back to it, I know the genesis of it makes sense. Okay. It, I've seen, uh, comics gang up on you and be like, come on, Simon, do the clean hour. Yeah. 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 It's fucking funny. Yeah. You know, you need a corporate set to survive, right? Like you need, you need to make that sweet, sweet, corporate money I'll never be a cruise ship guy but <laughs> but I also wanted to do as, as an experiment to myself I thought it would be fun because my, my biggest problem is I get in my own way a lot I'm such a perfectionist that I don't release very much stuff mm. I write I've probably thrown away three or four hours of material with never recording it wow. I just don't bother because uh, I get so tired long. of it yeah I just get tired of it so what what I been what I did the beginning of this year was run about uh, the beginning of the year is like okay I'm gonna write a clean hour in six months that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna clean album in six months because I need a new corporate set yeah I wanted to get something that got a lot of radio play on Sirius mm-hmm. and the clean station gets 10 times as much. So I thought, well, that'll be a good passive income thing for the yeah. kid, yeah. but also it'll be good to get me out of my own headspace. Mm-hmm. And then me being me is I didn't really bother to work on it until May. <laughs> so then, <laughs> then May came around and I was like, oh shit, I got to tape this thing. So what I did was I, I gave myself a date. I had to get it done. I was like, you got to have it done by like mid July mm-hmm. and then that's it. You got to, it's got to be ready. Yeah. And so it, Mostly was, yeah. but it was never meant to be a masterpiece. It was simply meant to be a journeyman piece of work where I, cool. it was, it's a money making. That's what's called one for the money. Yeah. It's, it's one for the money in sense of it's my corporate set, in sense of it's for radio play. But what it also is, is it's, it's a way for me to teach myself. You can do something that most people would consider fine mm-hmm. in like, that was funny enough. That was fine. It was, that was an hour of material that's workable and usable. Yeah. Especially if I was to like tour it and tune it. Mm-hmm. Um, in two months. So if you can write that in two months, two and a half months, imagine what you could do if you just gave yourself the year and actually gave yourself a set. This is the day that I film every year. And yeah. It has to be ready by then. That's cool. And so what I'm going to do with this is because I don't want to throw all this material away. I'm mm-hmm. still going to keep it as a corporate hour because we're coming into corporate season. But yep. 
I'm also going to re-record the exact same premises with different my personal angle on it, my darker, more fucked up sense of humor, and call it two for the show. <laughs> so, so like, good. if I've got a joke about, for instance, I've got a joke about uh, how I used to be crazy, now I'm mentally ill. Because the world's <laughs> changed. I'm like, I used to be fucking, I used to be crazy. Now I'm mentally ill. And, you know, crazy's more romantic. They have these songs like, mm-hmm. you can't have going off the rails on a mentally ill train. No one's gonna, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No one's gonna get. So, but what I've done is, for the Dark album, I've gone way down that hole of the difference between crazy and mentally ill. So I've taken the premises and just explored some of them more yeah. and some of them less. Then I'm going to release that one. So I'm going to release this one independently. I'm not doing it through my label. Mm-hmm. I'm going to release the next one independently as well. And I'm going to compare the two. And then at the end of it, I'm going to give the information to the comedians and show them what sells more and why. And, oh. and it, it release them exactly the same way. Oh, that's cool. I'll try to release them roughly the same time of year, but I don't think that'll probably work. It'll have to be a shoulder season thing. But I think I'm going to... And then at the end of it, mm-hmm. I'm going to have these two bodies of work. And I'm going to, I'm going to give it away or whatever as a double album or sell it as a double that's album. That's cool. Yeah. And... Uh, and then I think that, and then that's just a side project that I'm mm-hmm. doing. And then I've got my actual special to tape. But I just thought th- the one thing I can do is create content. So yeah. like, why don't I just do it? And I just want to do stand up. I don't want to be a YouTube guy. I don't want to be, yeah. it's not, it's not what I do. I can't, cause everyone's like, oh, you just do these YouTube videos and you make all this money. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not who I am. Yeah. So it's just disingenuous. Yeah. It's just not like real. That. Yeah. I saw a bunch of uh, comics tr- trying to tell Ivan uh, to do more acting. He's like, I just want to do stand up though. Yeah. And he and everyone who was giving what, him that advice. What's he not successful enough? I fuck know. off. Everyone who's give, who giving him advice, he's doing better than. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's like so weird. It's always the way. <laughs> People come up to you after shows and goes, you know what you should do? Yeah. What, what should I do? What <laughs> am I not member? getting right? Yeah. Yeah. Very rarely. It happens occasionally, very rarely. But like I had a woman come up to me after a show. She goes, you talk too fast. I go, you think too slow. She goes, what? I go, it's not my fault you're fucking stupid. <laughs> she goes, well, you, yeah. I go, I go, you don't like it. Fucking leave. It's not a Starbucks. I'm not yeah, giving yeah. you your money back. Fuck off. <laughs> like, what kind of an arrogant prick are you to think that I should do my art the way you like yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. When 99 people out of the 100 that were here liked it. You're she, clearly wrong. She thought she was being cute. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, she was genuinely mad. She was chewing through her, like, <laughs> and her husband was laughing behind her. I go, don't laugh. You're never going to fucking, don't, <laughs> yeah. I, you got to go home with her. Yeah, exactly. But I just like, I don't, I, I would never, if I don't like something, if I don't like a piece of art, I go, eh. Yeah, same. I don't like that. I don't make fun of the people for liking it. I just no. don't care. It's like Nickelback. Everyone goes, oh, Nickelback sucks. Yeah, probably to you, maybe technically or whatever, but there's yeah. a certain group of people that fucking love them, and they're doing fine, so leave <laughs> yeah, them alone. They don't need you. It's like I said with Dane Cook or, or mm-hmm. Kevin Hart. I'm not saying, they don't suck. No. They're just not my type of humor. Yeah. But they clearly do very well, yeah. and Kevin Hart's more famous than I'll ever fucking be. <laughs> and I don't know, I would love to be able to do that kind of humor, and maybe I would get some success at it, but I can't. Of course, speaking about being a black man, that probably people wouldn't I mean, accept that for me. I a lot of insight on that. <laughs> speaking of which, I did my hair bun today because I thought you would do yours. I forgot you got a haircut. I got a haircut, yeah. I, I wish I had done my hair bun. I have one more. Oh, what is this? You. Do you know about ASMR? No. It's the newest rage. This has five million views. This is called Sleep and Relaxation Treatment, okay? This isn't porn. What the fuck? Isn't this so creepy? This is disturbing as shit. This is so successful. This is disturbing. You know why? Because it's a pretty girl talking to you. That's all it is. (laughs) 
That's all it is. That's if one pretty girl had said to Hitler, "Maybe we should get a coffee," he'd be like, "You know what? That's fine." You know what I mean? (laughs) He would have fucking calmed down. I had plans, but she would have saved twenty million fucking lives if she'd just been like, "You know what? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, I'll ride a tandem bike with you around Berlin. (laughs) Want to eat a scone? I'll trim your mustache. (laughs) Would have been over. Look at this. Is fucking disturbing. What's she? That's tea. Oh, people like that too. The clicking sound. This isn't porn. No, it is in a way, I guess. I, I guess it depends on what you like. I mean, to some people, flip flops are porn. That's true. You know, <laughs> the fuck is, what is this? Sleep and relaxation treatment. Like, this girl has several really big videos. So she just talks. Like, do you think people actually do sleep to this or jag off to it? Probably I don't both. know what the fuck. Probably one than the other. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. This it's almost like, like she's just tapped into the incredibly lonely people who don't talk to anybody. <laughs> and then it's like it's like it's like I honestly believe there's probably a lot of dudes and maybe ladies who are like, oh, this is my girlfriend now. I like I've never seen her in person. And I've like, never. I think you're right. But that's what About it is. Everything you just said. Yeah. I think that's exactly. Yeah. What because she's 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 giving them unjudgmental lust, attention. Lust is satiated easily with the internet, but love is hard to satiate with the internet. Whoa. In fact, it doesn't exist you're so in that right. way. This so that's actually, what this, they're giving her. She's giving them a love. This is way more intimate than porn. This is much more intimate than porn. Wow. Because what does Stanhope say? Porn's blort. But look at this. This is like fucking. <laughs> she's. She's communicating with them yeah. in a friendly way and treating them as though they are. She's she. This is the, uh, for lack of a better phrase, the girlfriend experience. You're totally she's, this right. Is a, this is what she's doing. She's she's, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's probably a male version of this too. And it's it's this is because we are so disconnected. This would never have worked twenty years ago. Yeah, I don't think, or very limitedly. But this is because we are so not connected now we're more connected than ever but we're not we're so isolated we're yeah. so individual you're now so right you don't have to leave your house for anything so you don't she's not telling you about anything she's not talking to you about anything she's just making noises and looking at you and making eye contact with you she's showing you things yeah she's just talking quietly so you have to focus yeah that's what this is it's kind this, of this kicks it's terrifying because to someone like me i'm like this is a fucking trap. <laughs> Someone does this to you. You go over to someone's house. This is what's yeah. happening. Someone's jumping out of a, a fucking closet with zip ties and you're missing a kidney. That's what fucking happened. This is the beginning of hostile to me. But to some people, they're like, and, and you know, there's some guys like, actually, that candle. Oh. <laughs> but this is for all those Reddit neckbeard fucks who like don't actually have anyone to talk to. See, she's not. I mean, it's sexy in its own way, but it's not that. That's not what she's selling you. She's selling you connection. Yeah, that's so strange. Which is, I think, why a lot of people go and get massages and stuff. Like, like I think a lot of people do that for the connection. I think loneliness. It's well, it's also, it's we're not very human anymore. Yeah, I mean, in in whatever we were, there's too much going on. There's too many things happening around us that we absorb more information in one day than people 500 years ago did in their entire lives. Yeah, that's I mean, true. And our brains haven't evolved that much. Yeah. Like we still got those monkey brains. So yeah. everything that's happening to us right now, it's just, that's why we get so inflamed and rage and then disappear. We get so mad at one thing and then fuck off and we get so, because we cannot hold focus because there's too much happening. Yeah. And, it's and overwhelming. I think, yeah, it's overwhelming. And stuff like that, that's mm-hmm. very... Let's bring it back to a very human connection. That's true. One person talking to you, baseline. Yeah. 
But weirdly enough, it's still through photons. It's still through a fucking screen. <laughs> yeah. This is very, very Blade Runner-y, very future. Yeah. Where you come home and there's a hologram that, that gives you a human experience. You're so right. Like, it'd be a, a parody of the future in a movie from 1992. This would be happening. And that's exactly right. It. Yeah, that's a real Max Headroom type fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what the future... And that is weirdly where I think robots will eventually go. Yeah. Androids will eventually... I think androids will become a companionship issue. Well, I think they will become... Androids are, for, for whether we want to or not, androids are going to become a thing. And I think, you know, maybe not within the next 10 or 15 years, but I think within the next 70 years, mm -hmm. androids are going to become companions mm -hmm. and they're going to become another form of life that we have. Because that's the last thing in, in, in the God complex of humanity is to create life. Yeah. And we're doing it with cloning and we're doing it with everything else, which I don't know whether it's bad or good. Mm -hmm. Simply the best of us make something and the rest of us use it. Yeah. But if you have a robot that you can come home and no, not just a robot to fuck, but yeah. like a robot you can talk to yeah. that like gives you a connection. Yeah. There's so many people out there who are incredibly lonely. Imagine having a therapist robot, like a robot that was programmed with therapy ability hey. where you could just come home and talk to it. Yeah. And it would depower, it would take away all that stress and all the damage. Ultimately, that could be a better thing. That's a good point. But that will remove a certain level of our humanity where we will cease to be able to connect. Yeah. Uh, and because the robot will be able to do everything people do, but better. Yeah. And that's the danger. That's what the internet is doing right now. Yeah, Every true. single need we have is satiated with the internet. It's set perhaps for this and maybe now this. <laughs> but like everything you want, you can get. 20 years ago, you couldn't do any of this shit. Yeah. You had to go out and do things. Even if you wanted to just be an asshole one night, you're just in a <laughs> shitty mood. You had to go down to a bar and get popped in the face. That's yeah. how it fucking works. Now you can just go on a video and go, you suck. Yeah. And it's just like, I feel better. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's what the negative comments on, on YouTube videos are. Yeah. I get so many of them. I was like, oh, I guess this is okay if you don't like things that if you like things that aren't funny, like all that shit. It's just like, and I, I sometimes I fall for it because I'm in the mood. Yeah, but like, it, it's that ego thing where you get to access that part of yourself because you work as a bag boy at a, at a super value and you don't get a chance to talk to anybody about anything. Mm -hmm. You have no position of authority in your life and you have no connection to anybody. Yeah, and that's why. You're seeing humans push out in hyper-violent ways, and you're seeing humans push out in addiction ways that we've never done before. And you're seeing people yeah. do things that we're, we're overloaded. Yeah. I know. It's so overwhelming, the amount of information. Like, I turned yeah. all the notifications off of my phone. Oh, yeah. I started to feel a lot better just from that. Yeah. It makes a big difference. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Like, having, like, uh, it's something I haven't been able to do for a few years because my life's been a nightmare. Is a, I used to go camping and I used to go to a place where the phone did not work. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, or if we went, uh, my wife would be like, you can, you can have your phone for like one day yeah. to check your emails because of work. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. One hour and yeah. then you're done. And that difference, yeah. sitting on a canoe in the middle of a lake yeah. with no phone or nothing, the first couple of days, you're like, what the fuck? I'm disconnected. <laughs> the world, but the world will keep going without you. It's true. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I wake up, I'm, I'm on the internet immediately. And I, I go to, the last too. thing I do before I go to bed, first thing I do when I wake up, I know it's wrong. I, I know. know it's wrong. I know. But our livelihood is well, that's so the other tied problem. in with it. Yeah, like like people like you and me and, and yeah. people in the entertainment business particularly. I mean, there's so many, I resisted getting a smartphone forever. Mm -hmm. And then in 20, at the end of 2011, my buddy, he, he had an, he got a new iPhone 4S or whatever. So he had this 4 and he's like, I don't want it. I don't want to sell it. Mm -hmm. Do you want it? And I go, no. And he goes, I'm giving you it. I go, I don't want it. And then, <laughs> you know, serendipitously, my phone broke. And I needed a phone. And he's like, here, have it. 
Yeah. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm not getting any data on it. I don't want to fucking use this thing. Like I really was. Yeah. I didn't have a cell phone from 2002 until 2005. I tried to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, I had a home phone and it was fucking, it was impossible to do. That's the last time I think it was possible as a human to do that. <laughs> and so I had the phone and within two weeks of having it, it I, I got emails that probably made me a couple grand worth of work and I'm like fuck yeah. and that's it that was it I was hooked and now you literally it's very hard if you are successful enough like if you're Bill Murray level famous where people yeah. just run, you know call into your answering you're a machine myth, basically yeah <laughs> if you're that kind of person where they'll come for you uh-huh. you can live anywhere and do whatever you want give them a phone number leave a message I'll get back to you when I feel like it yeah. but if you're on your way up or you're fighting to stay on top or whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah you, you can't you can't be disconnected anymore you just can't yeah I know. I kind of crave going off the the grid. How sometimes. great would it be? Yeah, just fuck off to a place where they they gotta if they want to reach you, they gotta see plane in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Just some some <laughs> shitty fucking ICM agent in a wrinkled suit shows up with a, a briefcase. <laughs> it took me eight days to get here. You know, you're like Jay Peterman, Elaine, come in. <laughs> Sit down by the fire and warm yourself. Tell me if the script you wished me to read. <laughs> How fun grave that be. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like getting out of the city, man. I, I don't want to be here anymore for a while, at least. Yeah. Where would you go? Just camping. I don't know. I don't know. I want. I feel like I want. You know what would do it would be a summer house, like a place where I could live in just the summer. Be like, all right, it's July first mm-hmm. until you know what after after my wife's birthday. So until October, we're yeah. out. Of, we're out of the. We're out of the city. Yeah, yeah. Come back in when we need to. Fuck it. Yeah. That'd be the way to do it. I know. I, I, I'm like such a workaholic that when I think about that, I think, hey, I can really get away and get some work done. <laughs> yeah, me too. In my head, I'm like, I got to write that book and I got this yeah, thing yeah. and I want to shoot this pilot. And I'd be like, know, you know too. what I could do? If I just put a little studio in the back. Yeah. <laughs> then I'd make my not YouTube videos. And get all. back on track with my podcast. Oh, fuck. You know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got to fucking, you buy this big sprawling, like middle of nowhere and all of a sudden you're having satellite dishes installed so you can get like, I got to be yeah. able to get internet. The download speed's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Problem about going off the grid is you're not on the grid you're anymore. You're not on the grid. Gotta get the on fuck? the grid out here. I need to on the grid. Put this place on the grid. <laughs> yeah. right, Simon, that's been an hour, man. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Fuck, that was that was fun. Thanks yeah, for having man. me. Thank you for coming on. It's a good time. And, um, yeah, man. Unfamous at at unfamous on Twitter. At right? unfamous on Twitter. Yeah. And then Instagram is this is Simon King. Okay. And then what's going on with your release? Uh, so right now, um, uh, one for the money. I'm hoping to get one for the money out before the end of the month. Okay. Uh, maybe even sooner. It really depends on how much. The great thing about albums is they're a lot quicker to do than specials because you're yeah. not dealing with all that stuff. So it really depends on on. I'm going to go through and do the editing I want to do, and then I'm going to kick it back to the the folks who are going to master it out and see. And then yeah. if it, if it, I mean, I, the good thing is, but I'm not. I don't mind if I shorten it down a little bit. So I think I'm. I think I'm going to try and get it out. I mean, get it released. You know, end a month, maybe okay. before. Yeah. And then I'd like to tape the next. I'd like to tape my actual special special mm-hmm. uh, in Vancouver in November. I think that'd be cool. You know what yeah. is uh, might be a good spot for it since the cobalt's gone is mm-hmm. um, the railway club now. Because they yeah. have that whole new comedy yeah. space. Yeah, that's I don't true. Know. I know Dino yeah. was going to do that. Yeah, the railway's good. I, I'm the thing mm. is, I I can't. I don't really want to film in theaters because I did it once and it's just it's not me. I'm yeah. not a guy who feels theaters. I I can put a couple hundred people in a room yeah. and and that's to me what I do. It's like it's like punk rock. You know, mm. you, yeah. you, you you don't want to do that big venue. That big. I I, mean, I wouldn't make sense for me to shoot at a place with you know like a vogue or something it makes sense for me to shoot at like an sbc or yeah yeah or a cobalt That'd be or cooler anyway yeah exactly SBC and that's what i would do. be really cool i want i'm gonna go talk to them and see yeah. if there's any way to fucking make it t- film in there because it's also 
just you don't need that many people in like I love... 60 70 people in a room for special is fucking perfect totally Perfect. Jeselnik's first one was done at Upright Citizens Brigade. It's like 50 people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Stanhope's Beer Hall Push was like 80 people, 90 people in yeah. Portland at Dante's or whatever. Oh, that's so cool. That's when you want to do it. No audience shots, just fucking banging out. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait, man. Well, thanks for me coming either. on, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Wasn't that a good one? Thank you, Simon King, for being on my show. Uh, we're we're back in it, man. We're doing episodes more often. I, I wanted to do more episodes of this podcast, and here you go. So, yeah, check him out, Unfamous, on Twitter. This is Simon King on Instagram. He's really funny. He tours a lot. He's living in England. He goes back there. Just make sure you see his show, and when his album comes out, check that out, and especially so funny. Follow him on Twitter. Look up his videos on YouTube. Okay, Barely About Music, episode 19. Thanks for listening. Bye.